Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Father God, we want to honor your name. We want to honor you, your word, and the growth of your kingdom. We ask you to open our minds, to direct our spirits, uh, to serve you completely uh, in courage and in faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 6, where I started, it said, A son honors his father and a servant his master. And God says, Where is my reverence? Where is my honor? God was speaking to the priests of this culture. And so... Really, this is a message that wasn't primarily directed to you all. It was directed to us all, Phil and Gary and me, who aren't paying attention to me right now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, this is directed to the priests of that day. It's really directed to the priests of all days. Those who are leaders in the church, God is reprimanding. These priests were to lead the people and model obedience to God, and yet they re refused to do so. Instead, they despised his name. And yet, God calls them out, saying, would you serve your governors like this? And he knows the answer, of course. No, no. These priests had respect for their governors. They wanted to be in good fellowship with their governors, be respected by them in return. And so, no, they would have not done such a thing. But the reality was they had drifted far from the God that they should have been serving. So the book of Malachi is not the last book without reason. It was this book that was really a rebuke to the nation that then existed. And then they went into this quiet time it's referred to, these 400 years of silence. God had pronounced a condemnation upon them because of what has happened, and yet he was so merciful, so patient in carrying that out. 
And yet, listen to some of the questions that God asks of them and what they ask then God in return. We've already read two of them. In what way have we despised your name? In what way have we defiled you? In what way have we wearied you, God? In what way have we robbed you, God? They were refusing to accept God's rebuke. They were essentially calling God out as being in error. Why is he rebuking them? In verse 9, we read, but now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. So God is even then extending mercy in the midst of these rebukes of these people. He's extending mercy. Mercy was always available. And who is there among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. In other words, until you acknowledge that you're sinning against me, until you acknowledge acceptance of these things that I'm accusing you of, I don't want to hear it. I am not going to accept your offerings. So see, sometimes this typifies us as people, and especially as pastors and elders. We say that we're praying to God. We think that we are doing His service, when in reality, deep down, we know that we're living in denial of the very God that we proclaim to be serving. We're living in fear of man. We're living in fear of discovery in a culture that hates God. And so we have now, across this land, pastors and elders who live in fear, great fear of our government, great fear of one another, of being discovered and being ridiculed and being called out as Christians, as faithful Christians. And so instead of living in fear of God and in obedience to God, we have pastors across this land who instead live in fear of man and who will do the minimum in their pulpits in order to offend culture, which, of course, is the flip side. They're doing everything in their power to offend the God that they're supposedly in the pulpits to proclaim the glory of. So that's the time they lived in, and that's the time we live in. Verse 11 is kind of the focus of this message. For from the rising of the sun even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Twice he says that his name will be great among the Gentiles. My name shall be great among the nations. So see, this was at a time when the Jews were failing to reach out to those lost in the world when they were just more or less regarding themselves as the apple of God's eye and everyone else as resting under his condemnation, rightfully so, because they're evil and wicked, whereas we are wonderful and God loves us, but God doesn't love them. And that's just the way it is. That's the way of the world. That's the way. That's right. It feels good. It's right. That's the way the Jewish nation lived. But God did not want them living like that. They were to be models, just as elders in a congregation are to be models of obedience to God and models for everyone, the Jewish nation was to be a model of service to God, such that the Gentile nations would be envious 
of this relationship, that special relationship that they had with the God who had created this world. God says, my name shall be great among the nations. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. Now, we know that in a matter of time, it did become very quickly, right? With Christ, with the resurrection, with the, the just explosion of Christianity upon our world, it did become great. Yet, God's name, glory, God's respect for God's name waxes and wanes through time within cultures. And so like in our culture, we formally embraced God, identified with Him, with His Word, loved Him. And yet now we live at a time when much of the church lives for itself. The fact that it's called a Christian church is really a misnomer. We have many churches nowadays in this nation that are not really Christian churches. They're not following Christ. They don't really abide by God's Word. They live in fear of man. They live in subjection, not to God and His Word, but to man and the culture that we live in. Yet, God shall be regarded as great among all nations. And far from the rising of the sun, even to its going down. So, see, this is the God that allows his name to wane, such that his faithful will rise up and give him glory. Proclaim his name in the midst of a culture that has no interest in hearing the name of God. So, we are all witnesses to this. And specifically, you are all really witnesses to hold Gary and Phil and me accountable for proclaiming the full counsel of God. To the degree that we see other churches failing to declare the full counsel of God, it grieves us. But yet, they're outside of our scope, right? We can't, we have minimal influence upon them. But we have much greater influence upon ourselves. And so, you are all witnesses. You are all advocates for the strength of this church. You can't allow the leaders of this church to turn from God. So it's this mutual accountability that we have here. It's not just our job. It's all of our jobs to remain faithful to our God and to His Word. So when we come to the table, we all proclaim ourselves to be equally children of God, children that love what God has done, love his word, and promise to abide by it. So to the degree that we live in disobedience to this, knowingly, we're violating this promise that we make when we come up here and partake of the food. This is God's table. He's offering it to all of us, and yet it's offered to us in acknowledgement of the fact that we belong to him. We are his children. We're in his house, and so we owe him obedience. So as we come to the table, let's not dwell on what is happening in the midst of this evil culture, but let's accept the fact that we owe God our loyalty. In our lives, let's be faithful to Him. Let's not pull back from giving God all of the glory in our lives and all of uh, thankfulness for all of the blessings that He's done for us. 
Father God, we thank you. Uh, it is amazing that you love us as you do. You are so patient with us, Father. We fail you in many ways, and yet like a loving Father, you forgive us, and you continue to teach us. And yes, at times, you rebuke us. And so we pray, Father, that we as your faithful children would not shy away from your rebuke, from your teaching, but that we would grow through it, that we would love you all the more. We give you thanks now. As we enter into your midst, as we give you thanks for this that you are giving us uh, through the power and strength and sacrifice of Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.